I just say working hard at practice, doing what I do every day. So I'm going out there competing, working hard, and just keep my head down, grinding. As Tennessee running back Tim Jordan asked what has allowed him to move up in the rotation at Tennessee, and yesterday he was uh, Tennessee's best running back. 94 yards against that Alabama defense, 17 carries. He averaged 5.5 yards per carry. Welcome back to Sunday Sports Sound Off. We are brought to you by Window Works. Window Works is proud to be an exclusive carrier of the OKNA Windows. Tim Irwin is our guest. I'm Jimmy Himes. Let's go right back to the phones where our next caller is Daryl. Hello, Daryl. Hey, good morning. morning. How you doing? I know. Hell, I wish I was doing a little bit better. <laughs> but uh, um, a caller called just a while ago, and I've got to say something about it. I don't care if I'm the only one that believes it either. Jared Garantano is a grown man, okay? We can call him kids, but he's a grown man. And he's at every chance in the world to prove he can be an SEC quarterback, and he just don't do it. And I think one of the reasons Pruitt chewed him out was because Pruitt was aggravated probably that it put him in the game anyway. Uh, but I, I, I don't, you know, I hope Jared goes on and has a great career. I don't have anything against him. It's just, uh, Coach, you and I know when we grew up, in high school, I played for the dean of East Tennessee High School coaches, and it was chewing out in my ear constantly, game or practice. Same thing happened with Coach Raglan at Tennessee Tech. But, but it, I didn't bother me, uh, and, and I don't know why it should bother anybody else. Pruitt was there to win the ball game. That's what I got excited about. All right. Question, Coach. Uh, I believe the offensive and defensive lines are getting much better. And, uh, Coach, what do you think about the run blocking and the pass blocking? And I'll hang up and listen to y'all. Go okay. Balls. Thanks, Daryl. Coach Irwin, what did you think of the run blocking and pass blocking? I thought that uh, the run blocking um, was, for the most part, excellent. I thought the pass blocking was good, except for the right tackle struggling with a very dominant. Uh, I think that, that Davis kid is going to be a fantastic football player for he's through. I mean, he has some stuff in his tank that's pretty special. But I thought playing in a place where there's crowd noise, and there was, playing against the number one team in the country, I thought that both offensive and defensive lines gave a good accounting of themselves. Again, I would have liked to have both linebackers in there to help stop the run. And let me say something. 230 pounds, barreling down at you with a full load of steam, it takes a man to step up there and get that on the ground. And that's what Alabama had. And, wow, I mean, he's a beast. And I thought uh, I thought we were trying. I thought we didn't look like a bunch of freshmen and sophomores. I've seen a great deal of progress since this season started. And I'm excited about that, and I'm excited about what it holds for the future. I, but despite my disappointment in the officials and my disappointment, in the decision-making of our quarterback, I am excited about the direction that this team's going for the first time in a long time. The uh, player that gave Tennessee so much fits, uh, Terrell Lewis, had two sacks, three tackles for loss. And he's a guy that um, I think he missed last season with an injury. Been injured. Yeah, yes. he's been injured. Yeah. but Man, He's uh, got the stuff. He's got yeah. gas in his tank. Oh, I think crowd noise was a part of those sacks. Uh, look at teams like Florida, known for having count jumping speed rushers out there. And I think, you know, young freshman tackles, 
in that situation, that's about as tough as it gets. And they're leaving at the same time you do. But he just he just got there twice with some very individual moves. That spin was a thing of beauty. Uh, I don't know if I could have blocked him in my prime. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's got he's got another gear now. He was he showed me something. I'd be writing his name down if I was a pro scout. Yeah. I'm sure they already have his name down. Yep, I bet they do. Let's go to Jack. Jack, you're on Sports Sound Off. Good morning, man. Uh, first of all, I want to say uh, how lucky we are to have you and Tim on this this end on Sunday mornings. Re- thoroughly Thank enjoy you. your show. And uh, second of all, uh, hats off to the coaching staff and the players. That I think everyone expected us to go down there and be all big eyed and and, and uh, backing up. And and as a former offensive lineman. I never saw one time that our our kids, offensive linemen or defensive linemen, were backing up at any point in time. I, it was full steam ahead, and, and as a Tennessee fan, man, that was an enjoyable game. Other other than the rest, of course, but but we can, we got something to hang our hat on. Yeah, Tim, and I think Tim said it when he talked about uh, being excited about the direction they're going. The key. The key now is to back that up. If you play like that against the South Carolinas and some of the other teams on the schedule, you can win those ball games. Now, I don't know that you can win them all. And, oh, by the way, Missouri certainly looks a whole lot more beatable after they lost to Vanderbilt. I mean, Vanderbilt's horrible. And, and Vanderbilt beat Missouri. So there's not, a, there's not a team on the schedule from here on out, in my opinion, that you don't have a chance to beat. No, it, it was a very enjoyable game. And, and like I said, it was as a Tennessee fan, I'm excited, and I've not been this excited in a while, and I hate to say that after a loss, but considering the way things played out last night, I'm going to go with my cups half full. All right, Jack, we appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you now. Let's go to Isaac. Isaac, you're on Sports Sound Dog. Hey, how y'all doing? Okay. Well, I think because I used to play high school football, and that was about it. But uh, honestly – in my opinion, what Jeremy Pruitt did to Jarrett Garantano, I think he just needed he needed to be heard. He needed to be heard because if he wouldn't have if he would if Garantano wouldn't have stopped, he would have went to the bench where he needs to be. He would have went to the bench, but Pruitt needed to talk to him. He was going to get his voice heard, whether he whether Garantano liked it or not. And uh, some of them penalties from last night, some of them were right. But calling them two holding penalties against people that wasn't even on the field, that was a that was dumb. Uh, that really light get up that we got on that quarterback when we sacked him, I think that was that shouldn't have been called. Some of them penalties shouldn't have even been called, in my opinion. Well, I agree with you. I think there were some penalties that should have been called, and I think the referees had a bad day, bad night. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. Jerry, let's be fair. They got some right too. I mean, you know, they got some of them right, and it was a penalty marred game. But uh, you know, you turn on the TV. You don't turn on the TV to watch the officials. You turn on the TV to watch the players. Right. And and they 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 uglied the game up last night. That's for sure. Isaac, we appreciate it. Thanks for calling. Uh, thank you. Okay. 
Let's go to Caleb. Caleb, you're on Sports Sound Off. Yeah, I just want to say I'm very, very proud of our team last night uh, in their effort in playing. I, I really thought at first we were going to have a really great chance of winning. Even when Garantano first came into the game, he looked like he was focused and determined to win. But, um, and second of all, I don't condone Pruitt for doing what he did to Garantano. I think the embarrassment of him doing that was would will will be enough punishment from the ball nation and uh I don't like I said Pruitt he probably could have handled it differently but I'm proud of the way he did handle it because Garantano is a man and when the man does something wrong I believe he should not be patted on the back and babied around it I think he should be talked to like a man but my my question is do you think if Maurer is out, do you think we should still start Garantano on Saturday? And I'd love to hear your answer. Okay, thanks, Caleb. Tim, you've indicated no. You've indicated you've seen enough. You think they ought to go with Shrout, correct? I, you know, I don't like to talk negatively about our players. I'm a Tennessee fan. I'm a VFL. You know, Jeremy Pruitt's my coach. Jamie's my offensive coordinator. Uh, I love our kids. Gun Tano is uh, is a fine human being, but he's not handing my football to the other team again this year. I'm not going through it again. He's not making any more costly decisions uh, in hurting my football team. I'm done. I'm over it. I'd move number three up, get going. I think that's what they'll do. If Mauer's not there, I so. just don't think that. Uh, I don't think there's. Uh, I don't have any confidence in his ability to win the football game. I don't think we lose the first two football games if he plays better. And uh, that's what I think about it. You asked me, and I told you. Uh, I wish him the best. I think he's tough. I think he's a good person. I think he's a team guy. I think he makes bad decisions with my football, and I can't tolerate that. Let's go to Roger. Roger, you're on Sports Sound Off. Hey, good morning, guys. I have kind of a two-phase question. Uh, number one, uh, I'd like to get your thoughts, or what are your thoughts on the uh, the uh, announcing the, the television broadcast, uh, repeatedly identifying uh, Alante Taylor as Jared Garantano on the sidelines uh, after Garantano was pulled. Uh, I thought that was pretty uh, pretty egregious error. Uh, and then my second question is, why is it that uh, that Tennessee has players with identical numbers on the on the same roster? Roger, almost uh, every to listen to your answer. Okay, uh, almost every team in college football has identical numbers. Uh, Tennessee has two number twos. Florida has two number twos. They allow you to do that as long as one's on offense and one's on defense, and they cannot be on the field at the same time, special teams or whatever. But they do allow that. There are certain players that want to wear a particular number, and so there are coaches that will promise that. So they do allow that. Uh, But Tennessee is not even close to being the only one. It happens every week. And so that's one reason there was a a misidentification involving Taylor and and Garantano because both of them were number two. So And and I've seen misidentifications with a lot of teams out there because you, you do have duplicate numbers. But they do allow it. Hey, Jimmy. Yeah. Let me say something about that. Okay. That's stupid. That's just flat stupid. 
the duplicate uh, numbers? Yes. Okay. It's ridiculous. Um, you know, you just, the veteran player gets to pick the number he wants. Um, I think that's ridiculous to have one on offense and one on defense. I don't care if how many teams do it. I think it's stupid. Uh, I think it's ridiculous. Uh, of course, it confuses the media. It confuses the fans. I mean, you got a hundred choices out there. Um, you don't dress more than a hundred players. Uh, have them one through a hundred. If you need to go one hundred one, one hundred two, do that. But don't give them the same number. Uh, I think that's just playing to people's vanity, and that's ridiculous. You play for the school, not the number. If I I can't remember when that came in vogue. I think it may have been as many as 10 years ago, something around that time. I know it wasn't when Peyton Manning came here because he wanted to wear his dad's number, and a, and a player at Tennessee had that number, so Manning picked 16. So, yeah. uh, so I know it wasn't happening when Manning played. It wasn't happening when T. Martin played. I think somewhere in the 2000s it, it came in vogue when they started doing that. So, All right, let's go to uh, Michael. Michael, you're on Sports Sound Off. Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing? Morning. Hey, uh, I just want to say a quick thing about J.T. Shroud. Um, I don't know if you remember the long pass that he attempted. That was a beautiful pass. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, the Alabama defender knocked it out. But um, to me, it's a no decision. I think J.T. Shroud, if Maurer can't go, which I don't think he should go, um, I think he should be the starter for next week for South Carolina. And uh, also, um, go balls. <laughs> That's it. Um, I hope you guys have a good day, and uh, go balls. Okay, thanks, Michael. Uh, I expect Tennessee to go in that direction. Maurer had a second concussion in two weeks. I don't know if he will clear concussion protocol. Obviously, he cleared it, or Tennessee wouldn't have played him. But my guess is that uh, the, the percentages suggest he won't be ready for South Carolina which means I think Tennessee's going to go with Shroud, but we'll find out later. And I don't know if we'll get an answer from Jeremy Pruitt on Monday. My guess is he'll, he'll likely say game-time decision when he meets with the media on Monday. We shall see. Hey, when we come back, we'll continue to take your phone calls. Uh, we are brought to you by Window Works. With Tim Irwin, I'm Jimmy Himes. This is Sunday Sports Sound Off. Yes, sir. Um, I feel like we just keep on improving, and that's the big thing for us, just to keep on um, improving and um, keep on supporting each other and just getting better as a unit, you know, and not, not holding our heads down. Tennessee freshman linebacker Covarius Crouch when asked if he takes pride in the way the defense played last night against Alabama. By the way, Crouch, the sixth true freshman to start for Tennessee this season. Welcome back to Sunday Sports Sound Off. I'm Jimmy Himes along with Tim Irwin. Uh, let's go back to the phones where our next caller is Jim. Hello, Jim. Hey, good morning, fellas. Morning. Uh, morning. I guess we kind of all agree that the officiating was poor on both sides last night. But I got one play that I haven't heard much comment about, and I'd like a clarification. Um, I believe it was to Jennings in the end zone, and they showed several replay angles, and it showed the defensive back with his arm completely wrapped around Jennings' waist trying to – knocked the ball down with his right hand. Um, now, it seems like you see more and more of that, and 
it seems like the refs are letting it go. Is that pass interference for impeding progress, or are the refs just allowing it to happen because uh, that's the way they're playing the game now? And I'll hang up and listen. Okay, Thanks. and Jim, you used the key word, impeding progress. So we visited with Gerald Hodges. I've talked to other officials about that. You can have your arm wrapped around somebody as long as you don't impede their progress, as long as you don't twist them and move them in, cer- in a certain direction. But it's okay to have your hand around their waist. That's what I've been told by officials. So, um, and that makes it another judgment call on pass interference, which I think has become one of the hardest calls to make in football. Uh, let's go to Eddie. Eddie, you're on Sports Sound Off. Hey, guys. How are you? Hey, Eddie. Um, I think y'all touched on it earlier. Maybe it was a judge, but uh, I think they got to redefine targeting just to to not be targeting when it's unavoidable in the play where Batuli gets uh, thrown out of the game. The back lowered his body angle and was diving for the goal and would have made it. The only way to stop that is for the defender to go in low as well. And a lot of times there's just no other way to go low than to get your head out there to lead your body. So when targeting is unavoidable, excuse me, head contact, I guess, or leading with the head is unavoidable, I think they ought to redefine that and say that is not targeting because there's some subjective uh, uh, aspect to it already. Don't you all think that? I mean, he had Batuli had no angle that he could have taken or move he could have made to stop the run from scoring but to lower the <laughs> the top of his helmet, so to speak. But uh, couldn't that be an improvement because they've already uh, introduced subjectivity to targeting anyway. What do y'all think? Well, all the calls are subject. Subject, uh, you know, you have you hear officials talk about a judgment call. They're all judgment calls. It's a judgment call with the guys offsides, right? So uh, yeah. all of them are all of them are judgment calls. The thing that's hard about that, I don't know, and I've watched that play, and I I can't argue about it being targeting, but I I don't know that it'd have been called if he had hit him anywhere but the helmet, but the angle that he was taking, it was hard to hit him anywhere but the helmet. I think it's an interesting Absolutely. It's an interesting point, Eddie. Tim, what do you think? Do you think they should have another rule that says it's not targeting him and it's, quote, unavoidable, which brings up another judgment called by a fish? Here's, here's my thing. When you got a runner with the ball in his hands that's not uh, – let me see what the word I'm looking at. Um, he's not hung up in the air going across the middle, catching the pass. I mean, this guy's on the ground. He's hitting just as much of a blow. He's not defenseless. He's the he's an aggressor, too. And in the case where both of them are aggressors, I really don't know how you get to targeting. I understand that we've got to have protection for people's heads. Uh, you know, we putting, we're putting young men at risk and we got to change the game and the changes are painful, but I, I don't see anything else that could have done, but what he did and stopped the guy yeah. from scoring. I mean, and, I think it's unfortunate. And if you, uh, if, you know, a tight end that puts his head down to get another six inches to get the first down or a running back right. that leads a little bit and dives, I mean, they're using the head as the helmet as well. So, anyway, I, I think yeah. the way the judge just described it is exactly the way they need to redefine it. 
It's don't hit a, a, a player that's defenseless, but in certain circumstances, head-to-head contact is just going to be unavoidable, and that should not be targeting, okay? It just shouldn't be. When, uh, last thing is when the that spot uh, that – go ahead. When that brute from Alabama ran over our defensive backs and led with his head and shoulders, was that targeting on him? No. No. No, yeah, I just, mean, uh, last thing it's is, the same thing, Jimmy. Was, that's my point. It's if you got a guy that's defenseless, then the targeting really makes sense when both players are not defenseless and they're out there competing, and they run into each other like two billy goats, and the call targeting on one of them is not. I don't know. I, I mean, hope they, I hope they look at that. I think that's a good last thing. Is what about the spot when it looked like the spot should have been at the two, and they push it back to right near the three? I mean, yeah. that what happened there? How can you? How can that be? That's poor officiating. I saw that. I caught that. It, Eddie, I, I when I watch a game, I chart every play. So I wrote down in my notes two yard line, and then on the next snap, it's on the three, and I'm like, wait a minute, what what happened? And I so I rewound it and watched the play again. And Brian, and I'm sorry, Tim Jordan was on the two-yard line when he was tackled. The first contact was on the three, but I don't know. And I saw the official go in to spot it on the two, and then when they started the next snap, it was back on the three. I don't know how that happened, but I mentioned this early, and I wrote about it in my blog, which you can find on our website, which is uh, sportsradiownml.com. I wrote on there about how if you had spotted on the two, Jordan's going to run it to the one, Cravarius Crouch would have scored. But by misspotting right. it on the three, that caused Tennessee a touchdown. And then, of course, then after that came the infamous uh, quarterback sneak from Garantano that led to a 100-yard return by Alabama. That was a horrible spot. And it, that's an excuse. Whose final call is that? The headlinesman? Uh, the, the side. I don't know if it's headlinesman, sides, Judd. What, but it, the guy's spotting the ball. I mean, it, and it wasn't a hard spot. But I went back no. and looked at that, and I'm like, how did that happen? But I brought that yeah. up earlier, uh, that that was, that was a critical play, in my opinion, because I think Crouch would have scored if they had spotted the ball correctly on second down rather than missing it by almost – it was almost a yard. It wasn't quite a yard, but it was almost a yard. A good two, two crazy. and feet. But anyway, thanks, guys. I'll hang up and listen. Okay, Eddie. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's one of my pet peeves about seeing so many times the officials miss spotting the ball, and that one was critical. Let's go to John. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say – that's one time I disagreed with Tennessee's play calling when we'd already run the wildcat a couple times and we ran it first. The first play was a wildcat play. Yeah. And we got stoned. I felt like if we gave the ball to Tim Jordan three times from where we were, we're in the end zone. Yeah. First play was a wildcat, got nothing. The second play gains a yard. Next play gains a yard. Next play you score. He, they're not going to stop him for less than a yard the way he was running that ball. And then uh, to try a quarterback sneak, and I think he made the decision to run the sneak. He made the decision to hurry up. I don't think anybody knew what was going on up there. I think the crowd noise was a factor. But to take a spindly-legged quarterback and have him try to stick it in when you got a big brute that's just having his way with a good Alabama defense, uh, the whole series just makes me sick. Let's go to John. John, you're on Sports Sound Off. Good morning. Yeah, my question. Excuse me. My question is, uh, with uh, the lack of confidence they have in Garantano right now, and uh, 
if we do play Shroud, do you think we'll see maybe Jennings and the Wildcat more this week or when they play further on down the road? Uh, I guess that's possible. Uh, Jordan ran some Wildcat, as you know. Uh, Jennings did it also. Uh, you might see a little bit of that. Now, Jennings was a high school quarterback. Uh, he, you would think he would probably throw the ball better than Jordan. You would think that. So you might see that some uh, if uh, they end up going with Shroud. Because I, 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 just wa- I was just wondering because, you know, Kentucky, they looked pretty good yesterday doing it. Of course, that could be a different situation. Well, now, now let's talk about how Kentucky did. With that the deal, Lynn, Lynn Bowden was the guy. Now, the previous game, he ran for 196 yards and threw, he was like 7 out of 11 for 78 yards, something like that. You know, against Georgia, he started 0 for 10. He didn't complete a pass yeah, until late in the fourth quarter. So the, And they didn't score. So I, I would they hesitate. Down four. Uh, yeah, I, I would hesitate to say it worked well for him. Uh, I, I don't think it did at all, not against Georgia. And it was raining. But, uh, yeah, that, yeah, that was a bad – Offensive. That was a, a bad offensive performance by both teams. But John, to your point, yeah, I think right. thank there's. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. Thank you. But to, to your point, I think if they <clears throat> if they do go with Stroud, you might see a little bit more Wildcat utilized by uh, by Tennessee against South Carolina. Uh, let's go ahead and work in Lynn ahead of a break. Lynn, you're on Sports Sound Off. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. I missed the very part, first part of the show. Jimmy, or uh, Tim, are you out in South Dakota? I am. I'm calling you this morning from beautiful Mitchell, South Dakota, home of the Corn Palace. And there are several okay. less pheasants in the state than there was yesterday, I'm proud to report. <laughs> well, I was going to ask about that, so uh, have fun with that. Uh, guys, I am generally pleased with things I've seen against Georgia and Alabama. I think we've played with them. The thing that frustrates me is the, the stupid mistakes that we make at very critical times in the game. I mean, we had Alabama stopped yesterday. We were still just eight points behind. They were going to have to punt the ball to us. And uh, we, we do one of these stupid push the quarterback down on the ground. And I, I just, you know, and I see all that as, as discipline. And I have to lay that at the coach's feet. I, I just think that um, – I think that Pruitt's got to do a little more of that grabbing Gerentano at the end of the play and letting him know he's not uh, performing well and uh, embarrassing these guys in front of the crowd. Uh, they've got to know there's a price to pay for being stupid. Tim, you played a long time. When a, when a team commits a whole lot of penalties, is that the player's fault or the coach's fault or a shared responsibility? I think everybody's in it together. But uh, that was a marginal call, I believe, at best. I do believe there was a little bit of extra something there. It was uncalled for. He made a good move. He got pressures, probably frustration from not getting there in time to sack him. Probably a little bit of, I'll be right here when you throw it next time type stuff. I think there was a little more than just getting up, but probably not enough to merit a 15-yarder at a crucial time and changed the flow of the ball game. It took the momentum right out of Tennessee's hands and gave it to a very powerful Crimson Tide offense. I agree. Anything else, Lynn? No, that's it, guys. I really enjoy your show. You do a great job. Thanks, Lynn. Appreciate it. Thanks for the call. And when we come back, we will have more. Uh, We are brought to you by Window Works. Uh, Window Works offers vinyl and composite windows with many different options. 
Uh, if you want to join us, 656-9900, 1-866-656-9900. With Tim Irwin, I'm Jimmy Himes. You're listening to Sunday Sports Sound Off. Oh, uh, yeah, most definitely, man. But, you know, we can't take – so we, we can take pride in it, but, you know, we, we want to come out with the win. You know, uh, coming out with the win would be so much better. You know, like that, that'll help us out so much better. But, you know, we, we, we're not we're not, we're not, not settling. We're not going to settle for that. That's Tennessee safety. Nigel Warrior want to ask about Tennessee being within eight points of Alabama uh, in that third quarter if Tennessee took pride in that. That was Warrior's response. Welcome back to Sunday Sports Sound Off. I'm Jimmy Himes along with Tim Irwin. Uh, let's go back to the phones where our next caller is Terry. Good morning, Terry. How are you? Okay. Uh, most people in the general public have no idea what's involved in the time that's involved with all these kids, which are grown men now. And when a coach spends as many hours and as much time with these kids as they do, they develop a relationship that most people have no idea about. And when they hold kids accountable, which are grown men, then the, the, the general public has no idea about that. They're not five-year-old kids anymore. So what, what's your point? The, the, the disagreement that we have is that Pruitt should not have grabbed Garantano's face mask. To chew him out, I don't think there were – I know some people didn't like that, but I, I'm, I wouldn't bother by that as much as him grabbing the face mask. He didn't do it for long. But- but he, he, well, he shouldn't no, have done that. and most people, the, the camera was at his back, and so he may have looked away. Nobody really knows the circumstances. And he reached up there to get it and grabbed it with his finger, and, and I don't think that's a big problem. Well, I just say he shouldn't do it. That would be my opinion. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All righty. Okay. Thanks, Thanks. Tim. Okay. Let's go to um, Eric. Eric, you're on Sunday Sports Sound Off. Morning, Jimmy. I'm calling you from Kingsport, home of the Dobbins Men Indians undefeated football team right now. Had to give a little shout-out real quick. Real proud of those guys. Yeah, they got it going. Yep. They got something going. Nobody thought it was going to happen this year. They got something going. It looks really good. Hey, uh, I can't help but to think that if Maurer stays up and in that game and then with Tua going out, man, we got ourselves a ball game. Because we were moving the ball, even with Garantano in there, we were still moving the ball pretty good. And, you know, you got that missed touchdown pass to Jennings. Garantano overthrew him by eight yards or more again. And then you got that wildcat play that the referees just blew the whistle, stopped the play. We had him off guard, had an unusual play called there at the goal line. Then you got Jennings. Touchdown, Wildcat play, called back on this ghost holding call. I mean, I don't know what happened there, but I can't help but think that if Maurer stays in that game, we're in that game right up to the end. Yeah, on the on the Jennings play, they, they announced it was on Morris, but it was Tim Jordan that I think they actually called uh, on the holding. Well, they had him on. They had him on camera, and yeah. even his hold was, I mean, was it really a hold? I didn't see it. I Questionable. Mean, yeah, questionable. But to your point, I mean, we really we got hosed by the referees pretty bad last night. Tim, how do you think that game would have played out if Maurer had been healthy? Well, how do you think it would have played out if Tua had stayed in the game? <laughs> Fair point. Yeah. Uh, 
Okay, Maurer goes out and Tua, Maurer stays and Tua's out. How about, that's the scenario. <laughs> well, if Maurer stays and Tua's out, then I think it's, uh, uh, yeah, who may, it may have been enough. Who knows? Um, the call that changed, the, the couple of things that changed the game around was the roughing call against Daryl Taylor. I mean, that just took yep. momentum and zapped it. Yep. Just zapped it. I mean, it, and then, of course, the fumble return for a touchdown. But on the other hand, the interception by Tua to uh, Nigel Warrior was horrible. Yeah. Right into double coverage. I mean, it was a horrible play, uncharacteristic of him. And that was, you know, we could have been blown out of that game. It could have been 14 to nothing, and that could have been all she wrote. And that was a horrible play. It was a night of uh, emotional swings and big plays that determined the outcome of that game, and there were so many of them. I would love to know why the clock was stopped when we lined up in a Wildcat. Yeah. I have not heard an answer for that. I don't know why they reset the clock. Uh, I guess Alabama wasn't ready, so they reset it. I don't know what they were doing. What did it look like? I <laughs> I mean, I, that's exactly that just, what it looked like. That blows my mind, and I don't blame Pruitt for being upset. Agreed. I will say this. We've had a bunch of callers, and we've had them all over the fence. There is no excuse in modern-day football for a coach to touch a player ever. You can't do it. Jeremy knows that. You can't grab them by the face mask and, and turn them around to keep talking to them. He didn't. He didn't jerk his face mask or rip him. He just grabbed hold of it and said, "No, look at me. I'm talking to you." But you can't do that. Uh, yeah. You just can't do it anymore. And well, you can't was line it ever up done to me? Line. Yeah. You can't line up at the go line and uh, go rogue and call your own number there when they've got a play called. Because according to what I've been reading, the players confirmed that there was another, a different play called at that goal line, and Garantano, for whatever reasons, decided he's going to be the star. And, I mean, it was, it was terrible. Eric, that's what it looked like to me. Pruitt said to the media after the game that they did have a quarterback sneak called, and he was mad at Garantano for trying to go over the top. But I also well, think there are times when coaches cover for players, and I'm wondering if I that might have been did. one of them. Because I think one of the players commented that there was a, a run play called in the huddle. So he was yeah. covering, and, you know, that's what coaches do, and he put it on himself. And I'm not wild about him touching the face mask either, but it wasn't like it was a classic Lou Holtz grabbing the entire face mask and holding on to it while he chews on him. But Garitano was just going to walk away like he always does. And the coach wasn't ready for him to walk away yet. Okay, Eric, we appreciate it. Thanks for the call. I don't, they, I don't think Jimmy anybody ever grabbed my face mask and ripped me around. When I was a little kid, they sort of they sort of tug on your face mask as a way of hurting you. You go over here, you go over here, kind of steering you. You know what I'm saying? Not right, right. Yeah. I don't think anybody ever snatched up my. I'm not a coach. Because if they did, I believe I would have knocked the hell out of them. I wouldn't have taken it. Um, but I'll tell you, I don't think anybody was more angry or had a right to be more angry 
than uh, coach at his player over that play. I mean, what he did, if he took it upon himself to call that play at that crucial moment in that hurry-up situation, it was asinine. And it, it should have been done. And I would not trust him with my football, not for a long, long time. And I believe if he'd made better decisions, I don't think we'd be two and five right now. And I hate to, I'm not blaming the whole season on Jared. I think he's tough. I think he tries. I just think he makes bad decisions at bad times. And I can't trust him right now to run my football team if I was the coach. Let's go to Tim. Tim, you're on with Tim Irwin. Uh, to be perfectly honest, his honor kind of stole my thunder. I wanted to know if we ever heard why there was a stoppage of play there when we went to the Wildcat. Uh, so I guess that's a mystery that will never be solved. And a question I have, given uh, his honor's uh, past experience and, and uh, expertise, is it an okay thing for the offensive line to be tackling the defensive line players? I mean, getting them down to the ground, is that acceptable? Don't know the rules to the to the point of that, actually. And so I just wanted to find out what your thought was. There were several times I saw uh, the Alabama offensive line, you know, basically tackling the Tennessee defensive line when they were coming around the end, especially after Tua went out. And I just wanted to get your perspective on that. Thanks. Thanks, Tim. What I saw was Tennessee players trying to dip under and run the edge and Alabama players falling on top of them. Sometimes that will get you called for holding. It didn't last night. Yeah, if you lay right. on top yeah. of them, yeah. if you lay on top of them like that, right. sometimes they'll call you for holding. That's right. I don't think it is holding. I think you're allowed to do that. Use your bulk to keep them pinned down there as long as you don't have them around the neck. Uh, but last night it evidently wasn't holding. And as to the only reason I can figure that the officials stopped that play was because Alabama wasn't ready. And I'm saying it just like it is. That was absolutely ludicrous, and I don't blame Jeremy for being upset. We had him. Uh, that was going to be a touchdown, I believe. And... I don't know why they did it. I, I'm upset by a lot of things. I'm upset. I, I might be most upset by them allowing whoever was running that clock to move one second on a six- or seven-yard pass play. I mean, that's a minimum of three seconds. If you catch it, it goes right out of bounds. I think it was about a four-second play. And it could have been a huge difference. It, it, they ended up uh, kicking the field goal with six seconds anyway. Then I have a problem with that because I don't think a field goal takes six seconds. I look like a makeup. Not, I went back to look at it, and uh, I don't think it was a makeup. I think they wanted the time to run out then, so Tennessee did. They didn't have to kick off to Tennessee. Well, I think it was home field advantage, clock keeping. I, I, I wouldn't I think Tennessee would do much with that kickoff. Do you? Well, they might have returned it. Well, they weren't getting it to the end zone, Jimmy. They would have had to kick it somewhere. Well, they're retur- I don't yeah. think they got one pass of 25 on returns. Here, here's what I saw. I saw when that play started, they did not start the clock until the ball was incomplete, and then they ran one second off. That's yeah. what I saw, which is ridiculous. So, well, but that's what I saw. I hope uh, every one of those is sent to the SEC office. 
I hope everyone, I hope the one I want, his name's Hubert, isn't it? Yeah, Hubert Brooks. I want Hubert. I love his accent, by the way. I love it. He's a character. I mean, I know. I feel like I know him. You know, I like the guy. I like to watch him when he's refereeing football games, but I didn't like him last night. And I want to know. I want somebody at the SEC office to ask him why he stopped the clock when we went in that Wildcat because he did that. He stopped the clock, and I want to know why. Well, and here's the and, thing. And, and Tim, I, I want to make sure we're right on this. Tennessee did not substitute there, did they? No. I didn't think so. They moved Garrett Tano out to a uh, wide receiver right. and slipped Jennings in the backfield, and we had him. Yeah. And we had the numbers, and boom, stop the clock. Oh, Alabama's not ready. Let's stop the clock here. That's what it looked like. Yeah. But I'm sure there's I'm sure there's going to be a reason. Um, I will pursue probably that. the same clock. Probably the same clock operator. Yeah. Uh, maybe he had a problem and and told him the clock wasn't right or something. Uh, but that was that was absolutely that was mind blowing. I don't blame Jeremy Pruitt for being upset over that. I don't either. Uh, I but I I, won't, I don't want. I know we've talked about it a bunch, and you can see how angry they made me. But I don't think that their ineptness should take away from the aggression and courage our kids showed. And being in that football game for most of the night, I said if we score a couple of times and we take it to the second half and it's still a ball game, I would be happy. And we did a lot more than that. And we showed some toughness and some character, and I'm excited about the future of this football team. We've got to get somebody playing quarterback that's healthy and makes good decisions. I think the rest of it's going to take care of itself. That's Tim Irwin. And uh, you're listening to Sunday Sports Sound Off. We're brought to you by A-plus rated by their Better Business Bureau. When we come back, it'll be our final segment of Sports Sound Off. Most definitely, um, we just got to come, you know, on Sunday or Monday, whichever coach, uh, coach Pruitt, he, um, he picks, and we have to work hard, you know. We got to keep in, we got to keep inclining how we are, you know. Each week we get better, and I'm pretty sure, you know, everybody sees it, but, you know, we're getting better and better, and, and, and we take it day by day, and, you know, series by series, play by play, we'll be pretty good, and, you know, we, 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 can, we can make something happen. As Tennessee safety Nigel Warrior talking about building on the positives from the Alabama game and trying to carry that over to the South Carolina contest. We got a little bit of time left. Let's try to work in Tom. Tom, you're on Sports Sound Off. Hey Jimmy Tim, how's it going, guys? Hey Tom. Hey, Jimmy, just a couple observations, man. Uh, you know, at the time last night when Garantano uh, made the bonehead play on the goal line, I, I probably would have done the same thing Pruitt did. But think, looking back at it, it you know, it wasn't a thing to do. Um, we all agree the officiating was awful, but it's awful all around the league. The officiating in Tennessee wasn't going to win that football game. Uh, with, you know, if the officiating had been perfect. They weren't going to win the game with Garantano at quarterback for sure. They're not going to beat South Carolina with Garantano for sure or anybody else. They might beat Vanderbilt and UAB, and that's it. The Mauer kid, which raised me to a point, Jimmy, he's had two concussions in two games. That's serious. He may be one of those kids, a few of them, and, you know, you shut, you shut him down for good. He's got a good career, good future ahead of him. 
I'm not so sure I would not shut him down for the year. And if I'm Pruitt, you know, I look around the country. Tennessee's got to win now. You're not going to win with Garantano. You don't want a true freshman coming in next year that's probably going to be average at best in his first couple of years. If I'm Tennessee, I'm looking for a Justin Fields, a, a, a Joe Burrow. I'm looking for somebody in that transfer portal that's a great quarterback that's in a backup situation to come in and, and steady the ship for a year or two while Bailey, while he develops uh, or while Maurer develops. But, you know, uh, I'm afraid Maurer just may be one of these injury-prone guys, you know, uh, that is going to be benched a lot. But I, I wish Tennessee the best. I, I just think – I just don't think they beat South Carolina uh, or Kentucky or Missouri without uh, without Maurer at quarterback. I'll hang up mm. and listen to you guys. Okay. Thanks, Tom. Uh, Tim, what are your thoughts? Can Tennessee beat those teams without Maurer at quarterback? I don't know, Jimmy. He's looked good at times, but he's thrown the ball to the other team also. Mm-hmm. And he's proven to be fragile right now. Uh, I mean, the two shots could have, you know, uh, concussed anybody. But I don't think you can risk his health by sending him back in there until he's completely 100% cleared. And I don't know if that can be done in a week. I think mm-hmm. when you have that second concussion on top of that first one, that's the most dangerous time. And from what I know about it, which is actually a lot, and I've studied this issue a lot. Being a player myself, I want to make sure my own health's good. I get tested all the time from my years of playing. And I don't think uh, – I wouldn't be 100% surprised if he's not shut down uh, for the rest of the year. The bigger question is, what do you do if you're Tennessee – I think you got to put it in the hands of a third team. I just don't think you can trust uh, Jared right now to make decisions that win football games. And I, I, I hate to say that, but I think that's the way, that's the direction that they'll go. Um, what I see happening, I wouldn't like just... I say, I don't want to, I don't want to with all this negative stuff and talking about concussions and officials. I don't want to take away from the effort. I saw and the desire and the toughness of the Tennessee kids against a juggernaut, a modern-day juggernaut of football. And uh, I'm proud of the way they played. They played tough. Alabama knows they were in a football game. Whether the score indicates that or not, they know they were in a ball game Saturday. Yeah. So, Well, Tim, we appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your hunting trip. Thanks so much. Thank and, you. Uh, I appreciate, appreciate you and your professionalism. I appreciate Everybody listening to us, no matter what your opinion is, I'll respect it. I may disagree, but I don't mean to be disrespectful. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate that. This has been Sunday Sports Sound Off.